Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Greetings Grapple fans, welcome to the Pro Wrestling Index right here on the AI Podcast channel. I am your host Andy Wills, joined as ever by my audio tag team partner Mo Chatra. Uh, Mo, we've got plenty to discuss tonight, uh, what with uh, Fastlane, Raw, Smackdown, another inductee to the Hall of Fame and a little thing you want to talk about at the end uh, as pertaining to uh, to WrestleMania, so... Um, it's it's been an action packed week more if i can even say that <laughs> just about and yes absolutely you're right um it's uh been a quite a hectic week where the wwe is concerned we're well into wrestlemania season now and um it's going to be a, a mad ride i imagine um all the way up until wrestlemania in about a month's time so uh plenty happening and i'm, I'm glad to see that that's the case yeah, we are indeed in the fast lane towards WrestleMania now. Uh, although watching fast lane and and WWE weekly television at the moment, it doesn't feel much like we're. Uh, I'm not even sure we're in third gear quite yet. But um, we had a little pull up on the um, the Pro Wrestling Index uh, Twitter account, the PW at PW underscore Index, just asking uh, fans uh, what did they think of fast lane. Um, Thumbs down, uh, got the nod over thumbs in the middle, and um, perhaps unsurprisingly more, there was no votes at all for thumbs up, so it, it seems nobody was a fan of Fastlane. Now, what, what about yourself? Um, yeah, it's hard to disagree, isn't it? The the, the show was not one of the better ones. I, I didn't think that wrestling-wise it was a terrible show. Um, I didn't think there were any matches that were awful, um, even though there were several matches that were, you know, distinctly mediocre, but, um, you know, it's the booking of the show and particularly the main event that really, really turned people off. And, um, look, you know, it, it's not something that was entirely unexpected, was it? I mean, we've been talking for weeks now about once it was obvious that it would be Owens against Goldberg for the title that, you know, it looked very much like, Goldberg would go on to win the title and then defend it at WrestleMania against Brock Lesnar. And so it proved, but I think the manner of uh, 
the victory for Goldberg and the way that Owens was booked, um, you know, really sad people. But I mean, we'll come on to that later on. But uh, it, it's hard to disagree. There's a lot of understandable negativity about it. And, uh, you know, we, I'm sure we'll have a lot to say about it as we come on to that match later on. Yeah, we'll certainly uh, break things down in terms of that and we will get to the main event. Uh, but before we go match by match, I've got to say, what kind of really sort of grates me with with these um, brand-specific pay-per-views is, and, and this one in particular, it just felt like another edition of Raw, really. You know, we, we, another Raw episode with so many backstage segments that are, are completely unnecessary. This whole thing with uh, Jinder Mahal... Uh, and what the hell they're doing with Rusev, it uh, blows my mind. It's so disappointing. And then with Cesaro and Sheamus, and then we've got the New Day coming down to debut an ice cream uh, truck, bike, whatever the hell. I mean, it uh, maybe it's the old school in me more. Uh, please tell me if, if if I'm if I'm you know I'm just not with the times, but. I like pay-per-views to feel special. You know, it's just match after match after match, maybe the odd interview, but not all this kind of stuff that we see week in, week out on television. You know, save them kind of segments for television. That's why they're television, and that's what makes pay-per-views special. Am I just behind the times? No, you're absolutely right. Um, You know, the the pay-per-views should have no resemblance to a TV show, and it's when they start to be laid out and formatted in a way that's just like a Raw or a SmackDown that they, you know, lose that special feel to them and uh, become disposable. They just become another show. And that's what they really shouldn't be kind of veering into. And, um, you know, backstage interviews and all these types of segments, you know, it's not the way that these shows have traditionally been booked. And we don't want to see that. So you know, it should just be match. And then the hype video for the next match into the next match, it matches over hype video for the next match and so on and so forth until you run through all of the matches. And that's what we have become accustomed to. And that's the way these shows should be delivered. And, um, you know, the, the, the difficulty that obviously they've got because of the band extension is that, um, you know, they've, you know, cut down in half the different kind of combinations of matches that they can put on. And so, you know, you have people like the New Day at loose end. And so as a result of that, they end up, you know, being booked in meaningless segments just to get them on the show. And um, unfortunately, as long as this brand split continues, you know, unfortunately, we'll probably see a bit more of this. Yeah, it's, it's it, again, it, I, I guess what I'm getting at is the way that the NXT takeover shows are booked and the way that presented Hey, WWE, you know, go watch your own network and go see how a pay-per-view should be. But anyway, let's break down the matches. Uh, Let's get into it because I've got to say, I do feel like the show got off to a good start. That opening match between uh, Samoa Joe and Sami Zayn, I I really enjoyed this match. Physical, it was nicely paced. It was... It, it was in a way it was almost reminiscent of Sami Zayn against uh, Shinsuke Nakamura last year for me. I, I did enjoy this one. I was actually disappointed. Um, and the reason why is that I thought this should be the match of the night. I thought this had the potential to be um, not quite as good as the match that Sami Zayn and 
Kevin Owens had a, I think it was battleground last year, but um, not far off. I mean, both of these guys are capable of having an amazing match together, but um, that simply wasn't the case. It was a sub 10 minute match. Um, Joe was fairly dominant in the match. Obviously, Sami Zayn had his moments too. It wasn't a complete squash by any means, but uh, yes, it, it, it wasn't a bad match. I thought it was a, a pretty decent match, but uh, you know, given the potential for these two to have something really special, I thought it was a letdown in that respect. So, um, yeah, that that was uh, the start of a, a common theme for the night. But um, you know, good for Joe's momentum. They brought him in. They're trying to make him feel special and uh, a booking very strong. But again, that came at the expense of Sami Zayn, who you know, in terms of booking. Um, has really suffered in the last six months, um, you know, with that feud against Strowman and uh, more recently with uh, a, a variety of losses against a range of opponents. So, you know, if they are looking to uh, go with a brand split, um, sorry, a brand kind of reshuffle, then, you know, as we talked about you know, in the last week or two, Sami Zayn would be ideal for a move because he feels increasingly stale by the week on the Raw brand. Yeah, I mean, I- Look, I, I enjoyed the match. It was by no means a classic, but yeah, the the given just shy of ten minutes, this is a thing. You know, if they'd have had say fifteen minutes, you know, you know, I'd love to have them to have had twenty, but even fifteen minutes, and then just cut out some of the meaningless stuff later in the show. I mean, there was there was something like half an hour of of that pay per view was wasted on. On this, you know, ad hoc match, you know, with Jinder Mahal, Cesaro, Big Show, Kent Rusev, uh, that all whole scenario, everything playing out, and then the the New Day, all that kind of stuff, you know, that there's half an hour of the show wasted. Now that for me, that's that's thirty minutes that could have been added onto some of those matches that are being cut short to eight, nine minutes here and there, and you're not giving the guys, you know, chance to to tell a really really good story. You know, that, that 15, that extra five minutes, you know, 10 minutes, 15, 20 minute matches, you know, you look along the classics and every, it, it just becomes more meaningful when they get more time to really lay things out and, and really present it in, in a meaningful way. And it's, that's the thing on this, you know, there's just so much there. There's so much, there's so much, there's so much that it's just small. It's short segments. It's short. It's here. It's, you know, it's eight, nine, 10 minutes and you're done. And, they, they just can't seem to, you, you know, you can't really get everything over and put on what I would consider to be like pay-per-view style matches. Uh, yes, I mean, uh, in more recent times, they've typically gone with six or seven matches on the three-hour pay-per-views, but they had eight on the um, main card. Obviously, there was the pre-show where there was another match featured as well, but uh, eight on the three-hour show plus you know, these backstage segments, New Day coming out, doing the ice cream deal, um, you know, that all meant that time had to be squeezed somewhere and it was um, at the expense of the matches. So you're right, I mean, you know, the matches by normal standards were shorter than we normally have, um, not least of which was the main event, which we'll come on to. But, uh, yeah, it was only two or three matches that were of a typical pay-per-view length and uh, the rest were... Um, by comparison shorter and again that didn't help with um, wrestlers having the opportunity to build the match uh, and make it feel different to your bog standard TV matches yeah and I think 
you know the the tag title the tag title match that was up next fell into that category as well. You know, not eight eight and a half minutes of of a tag team match, and it's and it's for them it's quite a short time to try and squeeze a lot of different things in and try to get something over, especially if they're actually trying to build this towards you know a longer term, more meaningful storyline so that they can include other tag teams for WrestleMania. And and as a result, you just kind of, you don't really get much at all. And, and this was quite disappointing for me. Indeed. Um, you know, the whole Enzo kind of promo before the match lasted almost as long as the match itself. Um, it, it, obviously, the result wasn't a surprise. We predicted that um, Gallows and Anderson would retain the tag team titles um, and uh, I, I think the match proved that that was the right decision. You know, Amore and um, Cass are just not, uh, you know, tag team champion material just yet. Um, certainly in terms of promos, personality, you know, you know they've got, they're moving in the right direction, certainly. But uh, the in-ring still needs a fair bit of work. And, uh, you know, it, it was the right thing for them not to have the titles put on them just yet. I think maybe with another six, nine months um, and working hard, you know, they can certainly get there. I don't think they'll ever be a fantastic tag team like um, one or two of the pairings within Raw and SmackDown's tag divisions, but uh, you know, I, th- I think they can st- certainly improve. And um, until they do that, then um, you know, they'll just be contenders and not champions. What did you make of uh, Sasha Banks and Nia Jax then? Keen uh, to get your thoughts on that one. Yeah. So uh, yeah, again, <laughs> I think that went as we predicted. Um, you know, Sasha had been squashed by Nia Jax um, over a number of matches in recent weeks. So um, this was her comeuppance, and uh, you know, it was um, booked fine. I mean, it was booked in a way that didn't um, make Nia Jax look too bad. Um, though in saying that the way in which she lost, um, you know, with a roll up, um, you know, it, it didn't really look very realistic. And I know increasingly with wrestling and, um, expecting realism, you know, that, that's something that, that maybe is a bit too much of an ask, but, um, nonetheless, a woman that's maybe a third the size of Nia Jack's kind of pinning her in that kind of way. It, it just seemed almost ludicrous. um, it was, it was like a squash match. I mean, Nia did dominate most of the match and, um, Sasha sold most of the way and, um, you know, got that kind of fortunate win at the end. Um, I, th- I thought it was a bit of a surprise how they, they kind of put that finish. I thought there might have been some interference just to try and tie it into the, uh, um, Bailey Charlotte match because, you know, one of the things I've been speculating is the possibility of, a four-way match for WrestleMania, Sasha, Nia, Charlotte and Bailey, but um, maybe defeat for Nia here would suggest that maybe it might be a three-way um, for Sasha, Charlotte and Bailey at WrestleMania instead. Yeah, the thing is, I feel that like Sasha Banks has gone quite cold, really, and, and that's a real shame because she's such a great performer, and I don't think this program with Nia Jax has really helped her at all. Uh, following on from that, we we have the Cesaro match against Jinder Mahal, and you know it was what it was. Look, I look, I think I love Cesaro; he's fantastic, and he's I don't think he's been used as effectively as he could be. But 
you know, it was what it was. And Jinder Mahal, I wouldn't fancy his chances on a wellness policy test. Uh, and then Big Show came out and you know, they're using Rusev as fodder for Big Show, you know, for this one final run for Big Show, it seems. Uh, what, what What's going on? <laughs> what, what are they doing with Rusev? Because this guy was, you know, they booked him so well when he when he first came in. They've, I think they've really lost their way with him. Well, that's right. I mean, these were a couple of unadvertised matches, weren't they? Um, firstly, with Mahal. He just makes a mockery of the wellness policy. The fact that he's clearly on something. And if he isn't, then WWE sue me. But, um, you know, he, he's, um, you know, coming out there every week, you know, with um, what they call gynecomastia. Um, so look it up if you don't know what that is. But, uh, you know, it's, it just it just makes the whole policy look really bad. And we all not already know that they don't test part-timers like um, Goldberg and Brock Lesnar as well. And, um, you know, that, that match, match served no purpose. And again, a complete waste of Cesaro, who's one of the best workers in the WWE. And um, the fact that he was having a, you know, a meaningless match with no build such as this, you know, just a complete waste. And then even more of a waste is Rusev, you know, being jobbed out to Big Show, who, you know, he, he you know, shows obviously very proud of, you know, his weight loss and good for him for that. But, uh, you know, it, as an act, I mean, he really serves no purpose anymore. The fans are really not all that into him. Um, he's not a great worker. He just takes up a spot of somebody who can actually add something to the promotion and actually try and do something um, to build towards its future. And uh, fans really didn't care much. And Rusev, I feel sorry for him because he is quite an underrated talent. He's a very good worker in the ring. I think his promos uh, a lot better than a lot of people give him, give him credit for. Um, he's got a good personality about him, and obviously he's got Lana beside him too, uh, which we can't complain about. So the fact that he was jobbed out here was really, really disappointing. And um, you know, losing to a guy who's you know well into his 40s who has nothing to really add, it just served no purpose whatsoever. So uh, poor all-round, poor use of Cesaro, poor use of Rusev, and... Um, that, that was just WWE almost at its worst. Not quite, though. Yeah, not quite, yeah. Uh, next up, for me, the highlight of the night, uh, Neville successfully defending the, the Cruiserweight Championship. And uh, just on this little caveat to this, they really do need to change that belt. It looks terrible. It looks like someone bought it at Toys R Us. It really it needs a more prestigious looking belt because that title belt looks awful. That's my two cents on that one anyway. But yeah, Neville successfully defending the cruiserweight championship against gentleman, Jack Gallagher. I really, <laughs> I did enjoy this match and I'm sure there will be more between them in the future. And I do look forward to it again more. What, what about yourself? Uh, did this one tick the box for you? Yes, it did. No, this was the first, Really good match of the night, in my view. Um, you know, we all, we all know about how good Neville is, but uh, Gallagher showed that you know he doesn't have to have um, a more grounded technical wrestler on the opposite side of the ring for him to have a good match. And uh, you know they mesh their styles really well, and um, it was it was no surprise. I mean they're both very versatile, very talented guys, 
and um, had a very good match. And, you know, most importantly for me, um, the crowd were into it much more than they normally are um, where cruiserweight matches are concerned. And, uh, you know, these are two guys that have got a good act. Um, you know, they've got some character to them, unlike the likes of TJP, who have got no personality whatsoever. And, um, you know, this is what the cruiserweight division needs more of, you know, people that fans can really get behind. I mean, cruiserweight wrestling, you know, inherently is, is exciting. And the fact that people are not excited about this division tells you that the WWE have got this all wrong. So, you know, they need to, you know, accept the fact that a lot of the people that have been pushing, you know, have really not been the people to make the focal point of the division. But, um, you know, the fact that they're pushing Neville and Gallagher um, is certainly a step in the right direction. So, um, you know, it showed for me that there is some hope yet where this division's concerned. And I hope that they um, continue to move in the right direction. And um, I think we'll see a bit more of that in the coming weeks with uh, the potential feud and match at WrestleMania between Neville and Austin Aries, which we'll talk about later on. Yes, we will come to Austin Aries and Neville because... Yeah, the cruiserweight division has been moving upwards since uh, Neville came into it, uh, and certainly with uh, Jack Gallagher, it's that that's just helped things along. And now with Austin Aries, yeah, I think think things are just getting better and better, and hopefully it's a sign of better things to come. Uh, next up, now my <laughs> this is my confusion with it. You know why? Why have some more John and Sami Zayn go ten minutes? and then give Roman Reigns and Braun Strowman 17 minutes. Surely, you know, if one's going to go 10 and one's going to go over 15, you'd switch them round because Roman Reigns and Braun Strowman, this doesn't need to go that long. Uh, you know, the, Roman's become a good worker now. I think he's become quite polished. And I, there is a, I will have an article up on the um, on the website pertaining to, uh, to Roman Reigns, by the way, yeah, just so I don't forget to mention this later. But Braun Strowman is still quite limited. He's improving. He's improved a hell of a lot over the past six months, or 12 months even. But still, this this was just too long for me more. And also, I'm, I'm confused, you know, that Braun Strowman was built up as this monster. You know, nobody could touch him. No one could get near him. No one could beat him. And now Roman Reigns has just beaten him. And this is Roman Reigns who was not so much jobbing now, but you know, dropping losses here, there, and everywhere, and all of a sudden, you know, Braun Strowman, this, you know, impervious to pain monster, is defeated. A slightly odd timing, now, I feel. Yes, um, I, I thought that was um, a bit strange, um, you know, given that they've made quite an effort to protect Braun Strowman and um, make him feel special. I mean, we did talk about the likelihood of um, Roman Reigns being the next opponent for The Undertaker. So uh, I did feel that, um, you know, there might be some kind of presence by The Undertaker during this match. I did speculate that um, this could end up being um, a schmoz finish where neither guy has a conclusive win. You know, it could have ended up in a double count out, double DQ one or the other winning by DQ or count out. Um, that wasn't the case. It was, um, it was a clean pin. And um, that, that was the bit that caught me by surprise. 
As for the match itself, I, I thought it was really good. I thought it was the match of the night, in fact. Uh, yes, it did go 17 minutes. And um, had he told me before the show, you know, Reigns and uh, Strowman are going to go 17 minutes, I would have thought, oh, my God, um, that, that's not a good idea at all. But to my surprise, um, Strowman had by far the performance of his career. This was almost um, a career-defining performance um, in that, you know, he actually had not only what I thought was a, a good match or a very good match, I thought it was a great match. And I just in never in a million years would have thought that these two would have had a match of that quality. I mean, they had some really good near falls at the end and uh, we had that amazing um, kind of frog splash by Strowman. And, um, you know, whilst he missed, uh, the fact he was even able to pull it off and, not look clumsy or uncoordinated in doing so. That was so impressive. And I'll tell you what, I mean, even three months ago, had you asked me who's a better worker between Enzo, Cass and um, Strowman, I would have said, oh, Strowman's well, you know, well off the other two. But I'd actually go so far as to say that this guy's better than those two now. And that's just in the space of three months. So, um, you know, he has, that, he has come a long way. Surprising. He yeah, has come a long yeah. way, but a great match, really. I've, oh, yeah, yeah. I wouldn't I, go I so think... far as that. I thought they did well. I mean, they certainly did well to take it that long. And there were some nice sequences in there. I mean, what you're talking about, yeah, the, the athleticism he shows is great. And, and yeah, like you said, the sequence towards the end, the near falls and that, they, they did, they worked well. I mean, they, they did well to take it that long. But the fans reacted to it like a, a really good match. I mean, um, the of all of the matches on the show, this one got the strongest reaction in terms of uh, match quality. The fans were really kind of being sucked into it towards the end. And uh, you know, that's why I thought it was um, almost shockingly good. Um, and, um, you know, that, that that's just something I didn't expect. And maybe it's all based on expectations that I didn't have high hopes. I didn't think it would be a terrible match, but I thought, this would be average and maybe because I was so pleasantly surprised, maybe that colored my thinking, but I actually thought this was looking back better than even the match that preceded it between Neville and Gallagher. That's uh, that's quite a statement. <laughs> I'll say that. <laughs> um, it was, it was certainly better than I expected, but yeah, I, I certainly wouldn't um, go so far as to say it was, it was better than Neville and, uh, and Gallagher, but well, we, we we can agree to disagree on that. We're certainly not going to fall out over this, but um, um, no, no. Um, so, um, yeah, I think what we can agree on certainly, though, is yeah, that the you know the clean the clean win for for Reigns is slightly odd booking in in the way that they've presented Strowman up to this point, and it kind of it almost kind of derails him a little bit. As to you know that he's the he's the guy that nobody could beat, but now the guy who's beat him is he's not even a champion. He's not even nearly the champion. He's you know what I mean. It's I, I'd I don't maybe I'm being picky. Just I think it needed something questionable on the finish in order for you know for Stroma to be able to discard it and discount it and, and then pick you know pick his momentum up and say you know I'm gonna whatever he's going to do next, it, you know, it feels injustice and it's an, and he's going to, because that's, you know, the best thing a heel can really build on is where they feel they have been wronged 
even though other people may feel differently. But that that's, he, I think he just needed something, but he was beaten clean. And I don't know, it just felt slightly odd, the booking, where, when you think of the the manner and, and how well they'd built him up until that point. I mean, the only possible reasoning for it is that they wanted um, a conclusive finish to this so that they could then move into um, Roman against The Undertaker as the next programme without anything hanging out, uh, you know, between Reigns and Strowman. Um, and, and that's the, perhaps the only explanation I can come up with. But, um, yeah, I mean, it was certainly to the detriment even to a slight degree, um, or, you know, for Braun Strowman. And you know, that, that's something that I didn't expect them to do. I thought that they could have booked this in a way that, you know, let both guys walk away um, coming off strong uh, without losing anything. Um, but Strowman, with his first loss of this type, um, you know, it, it's, uh, it's a shame because it means that he can't come back and try and gain... Uh, revenge just yet he'll have to wait until the undertaker and uh range have had their match at wrestlemania and obviously if um range loses at wrestlemania which is uh probably the uh, uh likely scenario um for his match against the undertaker then uh you know, he's fighting a guy that um you know he's coming off a big loss so um that's not great for long-term yeah. booking either there is that yeah i think I mean, there was. I must admit, as it was getting towards the end of that match, I thought, well, Strowman is not just winning here, but they're going to do it strong. Are they actually going to build him up as the guy to, you know, to face the winner of Goldberg-Lesnar after that? You know, is that the way that they're going with him? But then obviously, clearly, that's not. But now I think it's probably going to take a few months to get that momentum back up to where it was. But... Anyway, from from one surprise to perhaps an even bigger surprise more, and that was Bailey ending the pay per view streak of uh, of Charlotte and and holding on to the title, and perhaps even more surprisingly is the the way that they opted to finish the match. It's um, slightly odd that you know the heel gets cheated by two baby faces <laughs> that's right it's, it's quite slightly, the ass back yeah it's a, yeah a bit ass backwards um what, what about your thoughts on the match it's i know obviously we we both felt that um they were going to flip-flop the title again and obviously be surprised by that one because you thought that charlotte losing a streak would be a wrestlemania moment um you know wwe certainly like to swerve us on all these uh, logical things but uh, what about the match itself because I'll be honest, I was a little bit disappointed. It didn't come up, maybe that's my expectations, didn't come up quite to what I'd hoped it would be. No, I agree. Um, This was a match that I thought had potential to be really good. Um, You know, Charlotte, generally on pay-per-view, does have very good matches. Um, I mean, obviously there have been a couple of exceptions, such as uh, the Hell in a Cell match, which um, I didn't think much of. Uh, But... This this was something that you know they had a real opportunity to go out and have um, something quite special, but um, it was nowhere near. Again, certainly not a bad match. Um, in fact, you know, bordering on a good match, but um, felt a bit slow and plodding, you know, in the in the middle part of it, and uh, lost some steam and momentum as well. And then you know towards the end, um, didn't really have those great 
um, you know, near fours, that kind of closing stretch uh, wasn't really there, like we've seen in some of Charlotte's and even indeed in Bailey's best matches um, in NXT and WWE in the last couple of years. Uh, but no, the um, the booking of it with interference from Sasha um, perhaps was you know more of a storyline thing, which might suggest that they're aiming to turn uh, Sasha heel at WrestleMania. And the fact that obviously they set up uh, Sasha to go into a title match against Bailey um, might suggest that, that that's what they've got in the works. Uh, but no, it, it was um, certainly um, a slight disappointment given that they really should have had a better match. Yeah, I mean, one thing on Charlotte, apart from when she does some of her promos, you can tell the scripted because he, her voice is quite robotic when, when she delivers some of them you know, scripted promos. Uh, but one thing is, I really wish she'd stop doing these um, moonsaults off the off the top turnbuckle to the outside of the ring. I just I just think they're so dangerous. You know, against one opponent, it's such a risk, and I really don't want to see, you know, such a high caliber and such an important uh, performer on, on such a limited roster. You know, really put herself at risk like that. I, I really wish she'd stop doing them. Yeah, I mean, it, it's, it is a risky one because, um, you know, the key to moves like that is that your opponent, you know, does a good job of catching you. And when um, your opponent's only about 120 pounds, and especially if they're not in the right position, uh, you're going to have a hard landing. Uh, never mind on your knees, that will take a real pounding with moves like that. But, um, you know, if you fall on your head, then <laughs> that's very bad news. So um, it, it, it's a bit like... Um, you know, Big E's kind of spear to the outside, uh, you know, spearing an opponent through the ropes to the outside, you know, really unnecessary. And um, you're quite right. It's the sort of thing that, you know, Charlotte can easily drop and still be just as good a worker. So you know, why do it? Yeah, exactly. You do that once, maybe twice a year, you know, and then it'll get an unbelievable pop because it's the kind of thing we don't see. You know, we barely ever see, let alone, you know, a thing that we're seeing every sort of two, three weeks. Uh, unnecessary risk to you know to pull off such a move you know every every two or three weeks it really is uh, just that's just one of my little things anyway so we're on to the main event and <laughs> it it was what we'd expect um what i will say more is look we, we expected this so it's hard to get bent out of shape over that it's obviously disappointing in, in some ways um, perhaps WWE, on the positive side of it, WWE, it seems, have learned their lesson from how they presented Goldberg the first time round that they had him. Um, you know, 13 years too late, but this is how they should have done it the first time round, you know, when he was still in his late 30s and not pushing 50. But, you know, the, the message there is, you know, here's a guy, a 50-year-old, all these part-timers who are really getting on in age can just show up at any old time and beat your, you know, your, your stars of your regular roster who you see week in, week out on television. Um, why should you really get emotionally invested in these guys of now when the guys of yesteryear can just turn up when they feel like it and beat them like that? Um that's what disappoints me. I don't want to get too bent out of shape over the actual result because we ex- kind of expected it. And I do love the way that Kevin Owens built it and built it and built it. And then obviously the way that they timed it, 
I've got to give them that credit and that at least it was a distraction that led to it. But that that's my tooth, Penneth. Um, more, I'll let you um, I'll let you blow off steam about this uh, 22 second main event. <laughs> well, I mean, if the WWE's intention in all of this is to make fans not care about the people that are on TV 50 odd weeks per year, then, you know, mission accomplished because, you know, this sent out a very clear message that all our younger full-time talents that are on the roster don't give a shit about them because we've got old guys that all appear once every so often who can come in and just beat them like that. And, uh, you know, if, if that was the idea, then you know, well done. You know, that was really clever. The point is, I mean, how long can the likes of Goldberg and co come out there and be used once, twice, three times a year um, over the next several years? And um, it's just not it's just not sensible. It's just stupid. I mean, this is the sort of thing that, you know, anyone with half a brain can figure out is, is really, really dumb. And you've got a feel for somebody like Kevin Owens, who's worked so hard, um, never mind to get to the WWE, but, you know, even whilst he's been there and been on the main roster, you know, he's worked really hard in the ring on his promos, personality-wise, everything. And, um, you know, he's somebody who's also, you know, fairly over with the audience. I mean, he's, most weeks on TV, he will get a good reaction. And, um, you know, for him to be squashed in such a way by Goldberg it was just um, really really dumb really stupid really short-sighted and the the worst thing about it is is that if there's no payoff for Kevin Owens then it makes it even more stupid I mean it's almost forgivable if they make the decision okay this is all part of a bigger storyline arc that Goldberg will come in, squash him in 22 seconds. He'll then do his thing with Brock Lesnar. And then later in the year, maybe at SummerSlam, maybe at um, the Raw pay-per-view in the summer, um, you know, Kevin Owens can go back and get his win. And if that is the plan, then great. But from my understanding, that isn't the plan. I understand it that Goldberg's contract expires at WrestleMania and he hasn't signed an extension. So if all we're going to see of Goldberg now is a match against Brock Lesnar and that's it. And then he disappears into the sunset after having made several million dollars for three or four matches. Then what benefit is that to the WWE? And more importantly, what benefit is that to the talent that are there to carry the company forward over the next five, 10, 15 years? And, you know, the worst of it is this is the this is the sort of thing that the WWE has full control over. This is prearranged pro professional wrestling. This is not UFC where you have no control over the outcomes. So you can make the outcomes suit, um, you know, the decisions that you want to make as a business for the best interests of what you want to do longer term. And that should be the thinking of the WWE. And increasingly in the last several years, WrestleMania season is all about nostalgia. It's all about part-timers coming in for a nice seven-figure payday come WrestleMania, and then they will disappear. And if that's all the WWE is, then 
don't bother watching for nine months of the year. Just start watching at Royal Rumble, finish at WrestleMania, and then forget the rest because, you know, everyone's being educated to think that no, nobody matters who's around for the rest of the year. You know, January to March, April is all you should care about. And these guys that have been there from, you know, the Attitude Era or um, era before that or just after that, these are the people that count. These are the people that are worth you emotionally investing in. You know, not your Kevin Owens, not your Sami Zayn's, not your Cesaro's. So WWE needs to take a good art look at itself because the portrayal of Kevin Owens and the portrayal of some of these other guys that are under on the undercard on the roster is just so lousy and so, so poor. Yeah, I mean, that boom period for the business and, and particularly for WWE in the late 90s and into the very early 2000s before WCW were folded. I mean, that was that they were the WrestleManias that I remember as classics. I I loved, yeah. You know, I, I would even stay up and <laughs> and forego sleep to to watch them. You know, what you didn't get <clears throat> in them shows was guys turning up from the 70s and beating Stone Cold and Rock and and the Undertaker and all these other stars. It was it's unthinkable. But that is basically what we've got now, really, isn't it? It is. That's right. Absolutely. You know, when these guys were, you know, in their primes and, um, you know, headlining week in, week out, month in, month out on the pay-per-views, you're absolutely right. We didn't have, um, you know, stars from the 70s or early to mid-80s turning up and, uh, you know, making these guys look like jobbers. And, um you know, it's a more recent phenomenon and it's completely unnecessary because, you know, there's a huge fan base there that, um, you know, really wants to get behind these younger guys. But the way that these younger guys are booked is always about portraying them as second best to those big superstars that preceded them in the last 10, 15, 20 years. And until that booking mentality changes and, you know, Everyone from the current era, you know, in terms of the top, top talents are seen as being on an even kill with your rocks and your stone coals, then things won't change for the good of the business. And yes, I mean, your likes of Kevin Owens and your Cesaros and your Sami Zayn's and the Miz and people like that don't get the reactions of the uh, stone coals and the rocks of this world. But that's because those guys were booked and protected far, far better than these younger guys are. And um, as you say, they didn't have, come WrestleMania time or the Rumble or SummerSlam, guys from 10, 15, 20 years ago, much older than them, turning up, squashing them in 10, 15, 20 seconds. That was just something that didn't happen. The fact it's happening now, when it doesn't need to happen at all, is just mind-boggling. It is. Uh, It brings us... I mean, as, as we move away from Fastlane, it's it, it was on the whole not a great show. Not, I don't think it was terrible. It, it certainly wasn't particularly good. It wasn't. I wouldn't class it as good. It was just you know meh, you know. Um, but moving out of that anyway, just on to we've got a couple of questions from one of our listeners, Killian Murphy. Uh, and the second question we'll get to when we're talking about Raw. But the first one I want to use as we transition from. Um, 
fast lane into Raw. And and Killian asked about, you know, that whole thing with Goldberg and and the title. You know, he didn't like the Goldberg, the, the fact that Goldberg was just handed the title in the way that it uh, transitioned, the way that it happened, uh, and just feels that it makes it, you know, more obvious than ever that um, he's losing to Lesnar at uh, Mania. The belt goes with, obviously goes with Lesnar. But the thing is, his question to you more really is, um, what, what's next after that, for who oh, there's a pun for you, uh, in, in, unintentional as well, by the way. Uh, what's next for Lesnar after WrestleMania with that belt? Who who can be his next challenger? Will it be Kevin Owens, um, or is it Samoa Joe, or Finn Balor, or Seth Rollins? Uh, who's who's that next challenger after Mania? Well, that's a big question that I'm wondering. I mean, Goldberg's contract, as I mentioned earlier does end at WrestleMania and um, there's no indication just yet they'll be looking to extend it. He might do, but um, would it make sense for Goldberg and Lesnar as a few to continue after Mania? Probably not. So Gold, sorry, Lesnar then has to move in a different direction. And who, what direction will that be then? Um, if we look at the roster, um, who's been portrayed as somebody who can, you know, compete with and, you know, be st- seen as a serious contender to Lesnar. Um, you know, he's already squashed, you know, in matches or in angles, um, a lot of the people on the roster. Um, in terms of a, a good opponent, somebody like Kevin Owens, you know, somebody who's lost the title and would obviously be wanting a rematch, albeit it won't most likely be against Goldberg. Um, you know, he'd be the right person. And it'd be great to see Lesnar put Owens over in a major upset. Um, but do I think that will happen? Mm, I'm not too sure. Um, will it be somebody like a Finn Balor? Almost certainly not. I mean, Lesnar being an ex-UFC fighter, I just don't think would you know, see you know Balor as a viable opponent, quite frankly. And uh, that will be entirely due to the size difference. Even though Balor is a fantastic worker, obviously, um, the fact that he's much, much smaller than Lesnar, almost in my view, uh, rule him out. And, you know, Lesnar would look to have a larger opponent. And, you know, as, as we kind of suggested earlier, it could be somebody like a Strowman. Um, you know, it might even be a Roman Reigns. You know, they might decide to go back to that. And um, you never know. I mean, they might decide that uh, Undertaker has to go down and lose yet again at um, WrestleMania for his second WrestleMania loss. And if that's the case, then that might be seen as a great way to set up a, you know, a feud and then an eventual match between, uh, Reigns and Lesnar. But, conqueror, um, sorry, more conqueror versus conqueror. That's right. Absolutely. Oh yeah, my that, God. So that, that could be quite something. Um, especially if they turn, um, Reigns heel at WrestleMania, uh, which is also a possibility given that the reactions are so negative that, it's almost impossible to ignore. And I'm just wondering how much longer WWE will persist with trying to present him face. And they've almost given up trying to present him as a complete baby face because, uh, increasingly he does come out with, um, PLS promos and, um, you know, some of his work in matches as well. Um, certainly borders on that kind of, um, divide between face and heel. Um, so, so that, that's one possibility, but, um, will Brock Lesnar be a full-time regular as champion? I, I don't think he will. I think we'll probably see more of Heyman 
week to week, which I'm fine with. But, um, you know, for a champion of, uh, well, the universal champion, is that ideal for a part-timer? Not really. So I think that um, by SummerSlam at the latest, he'll drop the belt, um, then disappear uh, for several months. Um, in terms of exactly who that opponent will be, I, I, I suspect it will be some of the, um, one of the larger guys. So it might just be Owens, but um, I would think Strowman and uh, Reigns would be the more likely ones. You're depressing me. The thought of them pushing Roman Reigns as, you you know, persistently still trying to push him over as a Super Cena character and uh, him against uh, Lesnar, that that will just, the fans will crap all over that if that is what they try and present. Um, the, the, God, let, let's, let, let's hope they, things, though, you know, I mean, if, if they things. turn him heel, you know, if they turn him exactly. heel, exactly, that's the thing. Fans if they, over it yes. would be the desired reaction. Yeah, uh, if if they turn him, if they turn him heel, it will be hot. It'll be a white hot match, and and that's the difference. It's the characters, and people are not emotionally invested in him as a babyface. You know, some people are behind him, the vast majority are not, and I, I just wish you know instead of this, trying to get it across like, oh, it's just like seeing the look. You know, he has the audience split. No. No, it's not like that at all. You know, just let the guy let let the guy do his thing. Let him evolve naturally and let him, you know, unearth parts of his character and develop himself and have some fun and, and maybe we can have some fun as an audience in the process. That's a novel idea, actually. <laughs> <laughs> so what what about Raw then? I mean, just briefly, your overall thoughts on Raw because I, I thought it was a pretty decent Raw. Um if I picked out highlights, I think I like the obviously the the Jericho and Owens confrontation. It, it's kind of a little taster of how good these two are going to be yet again on the mic, but this time going up against each other. And I also enjoyed the uh, the Austin Aries and Neville thing. I, I thought Neville just played his part in that superbly the way he's just so dismissive as a heel you know you're not seriously considering <laughs> I, I i really do enjoy the the way that they're taking him what about yourself more uh, on raw then what did you think of it as a whole yeah on the whole i thought it was a, a pretty good show um by recent raw standards i thought um you know certainly uh one of the better ones and um you know they set up some key matches for the WrestleMania as well. And that was very important because, you know, they need to be having consistently hot uh, raw shows week to week now leading into WrestleMania. This was something they struggled with last year where I thought, you know, TV was quite hit and miss in the lead up to WrestleMania. And then the show itself, um, you know, wasn't, wasn't one of the better WrestleManias. So, um, you know, they need to really, get their booking just right here and um, really pull out all the stops. And uh, you know they've got a couple of dozen people in creative and they all need to be pulling their ideas and coming up with the best ones to put on TV. And, uh, you know, they've got a lot of matches um, potentially lined up for uh, the big show as well, which we'll come on to later on. But, uh, you know, for, for those to be matches that people give a damn about, you know, they, they've got to get the booking right. So, I, I thought, you know, this had its positives and um, you know, certainly started to set up some of the key raw matches quite well. 
you know, Owens versus Jericho is something that you know I'm already looking forward to. And you know, if they get the booking of this one right over the next several weeks, then you know it could be you know if not the most most anticipated match on the show, then at least top three. And um, you know, without a title potentially, you know that 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 would be um, quite the feat. But uh, yeah, I mean, in between that and um, you know, we had. Um, some okay match. I didn't think the wrestling was particularly great, but this wasn't intended to be a, a show that was going to feature, um, you know, in-ring action as, as a kind of focal point of it. This was more about storylines and angles. And, um, you know, in terms of setting things up for WrestleMania, I, I think it certainly was more, more of a hit than a miss. Yeah. The, uh, Lesnar F5 in uh, Goldberg's an interesting one as well. Uh, Goldberg looked, uh, a little bit gassed out actually um and obviously yeah we had the undertaker there the confrontation the whole thing setting up the the match with with um with roman reigns what about the uh, the women's one then because i mean this obviously we, we've got this built up now for the triple threat that the segment that got towards it i really did not like uh, and, and another question as, as i mentioned another question from uh, from our listener killian murphy who'd asked, um, do you think they are teasing towards a potential Sasha versus Steph match here, uh, Stephanie McMahon match here for the future? Yes, that's quite a possibility. Um, you know, certainly they've also been teasing some stuff between um, Stephanie and um, Bailey too. But um, yeah, Steph and Sasha could certainly be a distinct possibility for down the line. You know, maybe a SummerSlam match. Um you know, they want to make SummerSlam you know, more prominent, more important than it has ever been, and almost like the WrestleMania of the summer. And um, so having a McMahon wrestling um, you know, would be one of the ways to do that. And um, you know, that, that's certainly possible. Um, but uh, no, I, I was fine with the booking of it, but um, you know, it, it all came out of an arse-backward kind of, um, ending to the match between um, Bailey and Charlotte from the night before, and uh, you know it, it's something that's fine now. But the, the problem is, you see, that you know the way that the, st- the roster stacks up for the women's division on Raw, um, you can easily see these same three girls um, competing against each other a year from now, and um, you know that that's part of the problem that they've got at the moment. That because their rosters on both sides are so small. Um, then you know they really limit themselves, so they've really got to try and mix it up. And uh, I'd, I'd really like to see them, you know, if not just after WrestleMania, then certainly no more than a couple of months after WrestleMania, you know, having a reshuffle of the rosters because um, you know somebody like uh, Charlotte and um, you know Becky Lynch, for example, would be a almost like a fresh feud in a way, even though we've seen those two go at it in the past, but um, because it's been a while, you know, it'll feel like something new. But, um, you know, these are all talented, talented, you know, wrestlers and performers. But, uh, you know, once you see them, you know, wrestle on more than a few occasions, then no matter how good they are, um, you know, the audience will become bored of it. Yeah, it's, it's, it's somewhat we, I mean, we spoke about it last week, you know. Really speaking, that, that that whole women's division needs to come together, and then we can have one strong women's division rather than two limited ones. And I think that would be better for them. But uh, anyway, just moving on to that 
you know, we're talking crossing divisions there, and we'll cross over to SmackDown. Um, your thoughts on SmackDown? Because I'm I'm I'm, a, I'm aghast. I'm a loss for words for the way that they they moved on this sort of the, this Bray Wyatt Randy Orton storyline. I mean, if Randy Orton's intention all along was to betray. Um, Bray Wyatt, you know, and have the match against him at WrestleMania, having won the Royal Rumble, why would he then give it up to then, you know, want to take it back, but have to get it back in a match? You know, it just in, in, in logic, it's just like, what? It, it just seems really, really silly as though they've, they've, they've booked this week to week. They haven't actually had a long-term plan here and it's and it's kind of, they've just booked it as they were going along. Well, that's right. It makes no sense whatsoever. And, um, you know, this is part of the problem with trying to make these shows interesting um, and slightly different to your normal Raw and SmackDowns um, in the leading to WrestleMania um, by trying to put, you know, these types of, um, you know, know, number one contender positions at stake. Um, You know, even though obviously there's no benefit whatsoever for that person that already is the number one contender you know whether it's coming out of the rumble or from any other match and um you know that, that just a complete nonsense but uh the, the, the match itself um you know certainly doesn't do aj styles any great favors i mean you know, he, he lost the title at um what was it the rumble or um i think it was a rumble wasn't it no, it was uh, the pay-per-view after whatever it was. Uh, uh, elimination chip. Oh, no, 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 you're right. Sorry, you did. He lost the scene at the Rumble. I, I lose count. There's so many title changes. I, I've kind of lost <laughs> I've lost track of it all now. Uh, with with the yeah. um, universal title changing, that is now every single um, championship on the main roster has changed hands at least once in this calendar year, and we were only in the beginning of March. So, uh, anyway, that's uh, my my little morn out the way i'll let you get back onto it Mongo. so um you know coming off of that and then to lose um you know in this match and um obviously um didn't um wasn't successful at uh, elimination chamber either you know it, it's not been a good few weeks for him and um you know then obviously there is speculation that aj will face shane at uh, wrestlemania which um, I don't know if that's worse than losing clean to Randy Orton um, on SmackDown, but um, you know, for a guy that was the focal point of the show for of SmackDown and was absolutely fantastic in that role, um, I, I think it's a real shame. I mean, it's yet another guy that's uh, being wasted, really, because um, you know he's arguably the best uh, talent when it comes to in ring in the entire promotion and the fact that um, you know, he has certainly uh, fallen down the pecking order in recent weeks, you know, he's not great. And um, I hope that that's put right very soon after WrestleMania, because um, you know, if that's um, the intention for longer term, then, um, you know, it, it you know, suggests even more strongly that WWE you know, is really um, losing the plot. Because, yeah. Uh, he, on, on a positive note, at least AJ Styles gets to be the guy who lays on the table while Shane jumps off 
um, a cell cage, ring post, whatever it is, and risks life and limb to uh, to land on him. Whilst Randy Orton goes on to face uh, Bray Wyatt for the WWE Championship at the mid card at uh, at WrestleMania, not the main event. They keep saying that the main event that 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 match is going to be something like five matches away from the main event, and that's along with you know the whole sort of you know the the scene a couple versus Miz couple match and it's it the way WWE is packaging it, it it feels to me that it's very much they're trying to get the message across that SmackDown is the B show even though the SmackDown is the easier show to watch the more enjoyable show to watch and Raw drags SmackDown is still the B show and that's the kind of message that I'm getting as a viewer I, I don't know about yourself more oh it's always been the B-Show, and it always will be the B-Show because um, Monday Night Raw is you know, the creation that came first, and uh, it's the one that um, has the most history and uh, the one that um, you know, Vince treasures the most. And as long as Vince is around, it will always be um, secondary to Monday Night Raw. And um, you know, for that reason, the match between Wyatt and Orton at WrestleMania will certainly in terms of build up, um, unless things drastically change will be, you know, the most coldest, um, and least anticipated WWE title match in WrestleMania history. And, um, you know, again, that, that didn't need to be the case. You know, they could have done something, um, quite special with that title. Um, but for that to have happened, though, I think it would have had to involve um, others um, and, you know, not Bray Wyatt and not Randy Orton, because as good as both of those guys are, um, you know, they are very much seen as mid-card acts in the grand scheme of things and certainly not two of the top, top guys in the WWE. And, um, you know, had it been a match involving John Cena, at least, then uh, I think fans would um, certainly be... Uh, taking that title match a bit more seriously than will be um, come Mania. Yeah, perception is reality. It's such a true phase. Uh, we've got the, the Hall of Fame inductee to come to, but before we get to that, uh, it seems like a logical time to actually come to it. And and you've seen what is rumoured to be a card for, for WrestleMania. So do you want to break it down more and, and, and we'll see we can see them week to week, just how things are panning out and we can look back on it uh, in future shows and, and see just how true this is. But, but what, you know, who is on the card then that you've seen? Okay. So, um, in the latest wrestling observer newsletter from, uh, Dave Meltzer, um, he now lists what he claims is the official card. Uh, and it does seem quite plausible. So I'll just run through, um, the card, um, so starting with um, the first of 13 matches, obviously there's Yonder the Giant Memorial Battle Royal, which is now an annual tradition. So uh, we, we know that's going to happen for sure because um, a couple of participants have already announced themselves, Mojo Rawley and Dolph Ziggler, uh, for that match. And uh, pretty much everyone on the roster who's male, who isn't going to be in one of the other matches, will end up in that Battle Royal. And anyone who's a male participant who won't end up in that match well it won't probably be long before you're being wished all the best in your future endeavors 
Um, but that that's the first of those matches. The second one, um, already pretty much anna- more or less announced, is uh, Neville against Ossie Neri for the Cruiserweight title. We've got um, Gallows and Anderson defending the Raw Tag Team titles against um, the winners of a match between Sheamus and Cesaro and um, Enzo and Big Cass um, from Raw next week on Monday. And um, the next match is the SmackDown women's title, which we already know about is Alexa Bliss defending a title against all the other females on the SmackDown roster. Um, The only question mark is about whether Naomi will be back in time. Um, The expectation when she got injured is that she might not be, but you never know. So that's one to keep an eye on. Um, Certainly where the raw title is concerned, it's very much shaping up towards being a three-way between Bailey, Charlotte and Sasha um, there was an expectation that uh, Nia Jax would be involved as well, but at this moment in time, um, it's looking more like a three-way than a four-way. Uh, we've also got Dean Ambrose and Baron Corbin for the IC title. Um, this hasn't been announced, but um, that certainly looks like the direction they're moving into for that one. Um, AJ and Shane McMahon. Uh, we've also got mixed tag between Cena and his um, uh, girlfriend, Nikki Bella, against The Miz and his better half Maurice uh, Jericho against Owens. Sorry, I said it wasn't for a title. It is actually for uh, the U S belt. Um, and then Seth Rollins against triple H um, is still expected for WrestleMania despite Rollins, um, the injury. Uh, we've also got now undertaker against Roman Reigns. And um, we've got Bray Wyatt against Randy Orton for the WWE title that we just talked about. And uh, the match that expected to be the main event, Bill Goberg against Brock Lesnar for the Universal Championship. Um, so those are your 13 matches. And in fact, there is even talk of a 14th match between the Big Show and Shaquille O'Neal, NBA uh, Hall of Famer. So uh, Can't that, wait that's for that one. Match. Yeah, that'll be a, that'll be a technical. It'll be a five-star classic, I'm sure. Oh, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so if that's the case, 14 matches, um, now I'm not sure if that will be a WrestleMania record or not, but, uh, it won't be far off. And, um, you know, we're going to have a four hour WrestleMania and we'll probably end up being having a two to three hour pre-show as well. So Marvelous. much like last year, it's going to be another six hour plus show beginning to end. Um, so yeah, get, get your Red Bulls, um, stocked up because you'll need them. Yeah, oh Christ! I, 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 as much as I, I love watching wrestling, and I've I've watched it for, for oh God, I, I don't even want to think about how many years I've been watching this. Uh, I just got hooked and I couldn't stop. I don't want to sit and watch it for six hours. That you know, it's just too much. It's too much, and it just drains you. It really does. It's a, it just drains you out, and you can't be done with it. So. Can't they put the pre-show on the at the end afterwards when we're all tired and we've had enough, and then the the, the crappy matches that we don't care about can come on afterwards when everyone's switched <laughs> off. Another instead of us all being really tired, but I, I don't watch pre-shows anyway. Spoiler alert! So there you go. Uh, no Joe, no some more Joe mentioned amongst that. So uh, interesting to see uh, just what pertains there. So maybe well, maybe right. he'll be I mean, in that Andre the Giant Battle Memorial Royal thingy whatever yes that's right um 
you know, which uh, would seem a bit odd given the way they've been pushing him is almost um, you know, certainly one of the top three strongest acts on, on the Raw brand at the moment. But uh, yeah, yeah, I mean, they're all out of matches, unfortunately. And so, mm. you know, um, they might just have to keep him for, as you say, the Andre the Giant Memorial Battle Royal. But um, that, unless, that's very, very unless here's one for you. Here's a prediction for you. If they feel close to the event, that's it. Um, you know, Seth Rollins is not going to be able to make it. They can't risk him. They'll save that one f- for SummerSlam. What are the chances of uh, Finn Balor against Samoa Joe being thrown together in the in the final week? Well, that's entirely possible. Um, I think um, you know, Finn Balor is now cleared to return, so there's nothing stopping him from coming back. Um, and you know, if you know Rollins' injury hasn't made sufficient progress in the next several weeks, then um, you know, that might just be the match to, uh, you know, have as an adequate replacement. And um, if yeah. it is, or, then, uh, that would be fantastic. Or here's the prediction for you then. If if they realise that Rollins isn't going to make it, then it's it's uh, it's Samoa Joe that goes out there and tells everyone that Seth Rollins is not here and it's down to him and he gives off, you know, goes through his promo or whatever and then we get the return of Finn Balor and he gets to do his demon entrance at WrestleMania kicking us off for a future uh, a future programme but obviously it's what we've seen before in NXT but um, how about that for a prediction? <laughs> well, you never know. I mean, that that certainly would not be a bad idea at all and, uh, you know, it's... Um Something that uh, certainly made things very interesting, um, yeah. you know, certainly in the weeks after WrestleMania as well. There you go, WWE Fantasy Warfare just got real. So uh, <laughs> it's a very plausible card. It certainly is very plausible, and it, and it looks like it is shaping up in that fashion. Uh, but before we go uh, more, uh, another inductee into uh, the Hall of Fame this week, and a very, very worthy inductee, in my humble opinion, uh, one ravishing Rick Rude, um, major star. When I first started watching watching wrestling, great heel. He was involved in in a program with uh, Ultimate Warrior at the time over the Intercontinental Title. I remember, you know, his tights with the Warrior all over it and the Intercontinental Title and Bobby the Brain Heenan there. He had a great character, great act, good worker. Obviously, you could tell by his physique, he had uh, other things going on with him. But uh, apparently, very, very much a legitimately tough guy. But um, he got what I consider to be the best matches out of Ultimate Warrior. So uh, this this guy could really do it, couldn't he? Oh yes, tremendously underrated worker. He really was good. I remember those matches um, against the Warrior on shows like the Wrestling Challenge and Superstars of Wrestling, and um, you know even you know obviously their famous match at SummerSlam 1990, and uh, you know certainly had um, if not the best and amongst the best matches that anyone got out of the Warrior, who you know is as great a character as he was, was certainly quite a limited worker. Um, but no, he's um, you know, a legend in the business, you know, not only a great worker in the WWE, but also in WCW. Um, before that as well, in the territorial days, um, came through in Minnesota and, uh, you know, came from a, um, a Robbinsdale 
uh, Minnesota and put that town on the map and uh, uh, quite a famous um, place to churn out wrestlers, you know, likes of uh, Kurt Hennig and uh, Brady Boone, who's more famous as uh, Battle Cat in the WWF um, around 1990, um, Tom Zenk, the Z-Man, and um, you know, likes of them. You know, a lot of um, famous people um, in the wrestling business came through that high school and, uh, you know, he, he was the most notable and arguably alongside uh, Mr. Perfect Kurt Hennig. And, um, yeah, very, very talented, you know, legendary in terms of road stories. And as you say, uh, one of the toughest legitimately um, there ever was in the wrestling business and uh, had quite a reputation, you know, worked as a bouncer and, um, you know, before he became a full-time pro wrestler. Um, but quite the character, very unique gimmick and, um, you know, somebody who's, who's uh, um, sadly missing, like a lot of wrestlers, was taken away way too soon. Um, so a posthumous uh, induction uh, for Rick Rude, but thoroughly, thoroughly well-deserved. Yeah, absolutely well-deserved. And um be interesting to see who collects the award for him and also who, who inducts him as well. It could be... It could be interesting. I really do love them uh, Hall of Fame ceremonies. Um, but that's us out of time, Mo. We've actually run over time, but we still had a couple of listener questions to get through. But unfortunately, guys, I'm really, really sorry. But we have run over time tonight. So we, we will um, we'll dedicate more time to questions next week. Uh, we promise we will do that. Uh, so please do set, keep sending them in to uh, PW underscore index. And we will make a point of getting through more of your questions next week. But before we go, Mo, uh, anything that you would like to plug? Um, just say that I've got um, an article coming out in the next issue of Total Wrestling Magazine called um, You've Never Had It So Good, talking about how wrestling fans more generally, maybe not necessarily WWE fans, um, can look at the current era and you know, genuinely say that as fans, um, it, there's never been a better time to be a fan of pro wrestling than there is right now. And uh, you might not think so, having listened to what we've just discussed, but uh, you know, on a worldwide basis, in terms of what's going on all around the world, you know, trust me, there's just so much good out there. And um, you know, I've been following the business for 37 years, and I honestly can say that it's never been as good a time as the present era uh, to be a fan. So. Um, Truly special time and um, so much to enjoy. So look out for that art- article in the, the next issue of Total Wrestling. There you go, guys. Uh, something else, something there for you to look out for. Another one. Uh, there's actually one coming out from myself. I've been promising for long enough. I finally got round to it. I finally got the pen back out and uh, been scribbling away. Uh, I've written one on Roman Reigns. So um, Make of it what you will, put it that way. <laughs> That'll be uh, on the Anfield Index website under the sports section uh, with PW Index there as well. So um, that wraps it up for tonight, though, um, for this edition of the Pro Wrestling Index here on the AI Podcast channel. Um, obviously, we've had a lot to talk about with Fastlane and Raw and SmackDown and the Hall of Fame and the whole WrestleMania thing. It, we, you know, we're getting into gear for all that and we'll talk more of that in the coming weeks. Obviously, there's it's, things are going to get ramped up. But like I said, we will take more and more of your questions next week. Promise we'll make a we'll make a point of taking in all your questions next week because we really do appreciate your participation in the show because obviously without you guys 
there'd be no point in us putting a show together. So um, thank you to, to all of you for, for getting involved. Uh, but thanks, as always, for more for joining me here. And, and like we say, you know, we are thankful for you, the listeners. Uh, thank you for listening. Thank you for hitting that download button, uh, download button. And thank you, as always, for being involved. So please do stay involved at uh, PW underscore index as we are on Twitter. But until next week, that's it from me, Andy Wills and PW Index. Bye bye now. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. 
And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. 